0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of Challenge Your Environment. And as always, this is your host, Big Rich. And in this episode, I'm going to be doing a follow-up from the last show called Black Lives Matter. No hope. Now, the reason for the follow-up on this is based off of a follower or a listener who actually reached out to me and said, Hey, I want to hear more about you being a black officer in law enforcement. What was that like? not only in law enforcement but in the prison industry that's gotta be interesting and I thought wow let's elaborate more on that I love where she's going with this so in this episode I'm going to elaborate a little bit more on about what it was like being a black cop in the prison industry but before I do I just want to remind you This show is ran off of voluntary donations. Feel free to hit that subscribe and support button and give me a small donation. And if you can't do that, feel free to support me by buying one of my shirts off my website at www.challengeyourenvironment.com. That's www.challengeyourenvironment.com. And if you have any ideas for a podcast show for Challenge Your Environment, call me or hit me up at cye.challengeyourenvironment.com or go to the website and you can contact me through there. Again, that's C-Y-E dot com. Now back to the podcast. What it was like to be a black officer in law enforcement has to be one of the most interesting experiences I've ever had. Um, it makes me, in many ways, the best way to describe my personal experience is to say it's like many. I'm a many-sided die Or as Shrek says, I'm like an an onion. There's layers. I've got layers. Now, the reason why I say that is because every single individual has their own personal unique viewpoint or take on things. And that's why the whole show is called Challenge Your Environment. It's up to you and how you see the situation and the decisions you choose on how to handle that situation. There's a million ways to skin a cat, so it's truly up to you to decide on how you're going to skin that cat, which also means that's how that experience is going to be played out. So for me, first of all, as I mentioned before, I'm a black male, but let's clarify, let's be honest, in America, I'm black-ish. I'm not actually black. That puts me in a weird category for all kinds of different things. On one side, it benefits me for certain groups because, let's face it, racism is real in America. And there is a color issue that takes place. So in one aspect, I have benefits. On the other aspect, I don't. When it comes to certain groups, they see me, well, a drop of black is, you're black. Does not matter. Well, that plays out in prison. In another group, they say, hey, you're not black because you got that good hair. You're light skinned or whatever. And I'm not even that light skinned. I'm just different, which then in results gets different titles and names. Some of them are derogatory. Most of them are derogatory. But when you go into the prison industry, that's really going to be amplified. So what I experienced on the street was going to be twice as amplified inside the prison industry. But a lot of it depend on how I responded to it. So as a black-ish person going into law enforcement, I not only had to experience the side of the black law enforcement officers, the white law enforcement officers, the inmates, black inmates, white inmates, Mexican inmates, and in California, Asian inmates, because California has cultures from all over the world that happen to be imprisoned in the prison. Um, there are less 8 titled Asian inmates But you still have some. I've worked with a few. I've even worked with a deaf individual, which I never thought I would. Not that they don't commit crimes or anything, but it just was was a unique experience because they don't know when to get down when the alarms are going off. They don't know different things. So these experiences all played into my life, having all these run-ins and all these different things. What really made it hard for me while working in the prison, having my life experiences of being a blackish male with a father, raised Christian, um, going into law enforcement, mind you, I had a brother that was killed when I was 16, running from law enforcement, and he jumped the fence, but they didn't kill him. The chase may have caused the situation, but it was him that caused the correction. Let me go back. Him committing the crime caused the situation. The chase made it worse. And then him trying to run just amplified it. And then when he ran and tried to jump and run across the freeway, his knee went out. He got hit by a truck. From the stories I'm told, he was decapitated, knocked out of his shoes, and killed instantly. So I'm going into law enforcement with all this behind me. Now, mind you, I come from a Christian religion that's more of a cult-like environment to society um it's very closed off from society it's very controlled there's not a lot of freedom um it's just a very controlling religion so here i'm in this very controlling religion going into another controlling environment as a blackish male once i got into that industry it changed my life my eyes were open to a world of whoa i don't know the world especially leaving The world I left. Here I grew up and in my neighborhood, I can honestly say I watched three people get shot in my front yard, two house raids by cops. Um, My brother was killed. So you have that typical TV stereotype life of a black male of death and violence surrounded around him. And now I'm in this industry thinking, I understand life, but here now I'm being manipulated on levels I've never experienced my very first experience of manipulation was an inmate a black inmate mixed no less asking me for a book now i'm new on the dorm still trying to figure out how the flow of the system is getting all the little changes in and out and i could have swore it was okay for me to give him this book but it wasn't i gave him the book and he, what they call is he held the tray slot he took control of the tray slot and we couldn't secure the dorm By having that tray slot means he can throw things out of that tray slot. Unfortunately, here's the reality of prison. Inmates throw semen. Inmates throw feces. Inmates throw piss. I was working in the tower one time while my father was doing a bank check. I worked with my dad in a prison. As he's doing the bank check, about 2 or 3 in the morning, an inmate takes some fluid and smashes it through the window through a tube of toothpaste and sprays it all over his face. I'm stuck in the tower watching my dad get covered in God knows what fluids this person just put on him. Now, the purpose of that is that if you're a man, and in some cases, women, not to knock you guys, people shave. If you have any open wounds on your face, if that fluid gets in your eyes, if it gets in your nasal, your ears, there's different orifices that your body has in order for it to enter. So any HIV, sexually transmitted diseases that can get through through blood, and things like that, he's shooting that into your open orifices in your face. That just went into your bloodstream. You are at a high risk now. So working there and seeing those things can really mess you up. Now, back to that manipulator, when he held the tray slot, he made it to where the whole institution couldn't be locked down securely. So now I and a few other officers were held back at the end of the shift to do a cell extraction because he refused to follow follow instructions. He refused to do anything to help the institution move forward. So we ended up having to go in the room and remove him. Well, it wasn't that easy. I ended up having to spray chemicals on him. He used his mattress to block the door. We ended up having to take him down. Ultimately, we got him down to room one. That's where we secure him with nothing and put him in in a smock. That was my first experience right out of the academy manipulated, put into that, and then that and turned into investigation. Why? Because I apparently sprayed the guy too close through the door. While spraying, he ran towards the door and I didn't stop. Well, it was all within split seconds. The investigation was fortunately dropped and it showed that he closed the distance faster than I could stop it, but it still resulted in one. So shortly out of the academy, I ended up in all this mess. The shape of the institution is being developed in my eyes. I'm seeing. don't make any mistakes. You make a single mistake, you can lose your job. The investigation was not a fun one. I had to sit in the room with four or five other people while they stood over my shoulder and we watched the camera of everything that happened. And as they're watching, they're saying, see, this is what you did wrong. And I'm like, I'm fresh out of the academy. I'm gonna make mistakes. What the hell? But in the end, those mistakes were never made again. I did not allow myself to get caught up in the moment. I made sure that I'd rather back off before I stepped all the way in and used less aggression. It was easier to to get away with it later on as I learned from that mistake. Um, The situation with manipulation is you know it's going to happen again. So you've always got to be prepared for it, but you can't ever be prepared for every form of manipulation. So the job becomes a very manipulative place and it just stresses you out. But here's the kicker. Now, I remind you, this is a prison industry. I'm law enforcement. I just got investigated for spraying an inmate, a convicted killer, for spraying him too close. Meanwhile, on the streets, black folks are being shot and killed by cops because the cop was scared. The cop was afraid. And the, uh, and the person they killed had no weapon nothing. They were regular citizens. This is the problem I had. So the conflict really messes with your head. All of a sudden you go into the prison and you see your coworkers locking up, locking down black people and doing things like that. And you start wondering, is the system really just? Does that man really deserve all this? Because I just watched cops kill black people on the street for no reason. They had no fear. They had fear for no reason. But here, this guy, I can get in trouble. I can lose my job. I can get everything taken from me off of manipulation that screws me over. And there's no death involved. None whatsoever. So as a black man, you have to ask yourself, is the justice system working for you, even as a law enforcement officer? Because cops on the street are getting away with killing people but you can't even get away with macing somebody too close in a cell extraction shortly out of the academy. So that's shaping my viewpoint right there. Now, shortly out of the academy still, I'm being thrown in the gr- into the grind. Now, just to give you a back story on this, when I was in the academy, they would tell us one year in the institution I was going to called N.H. Adjurgian was three years in any other institution, which meant in one year, you're going to see as much crap, so much violence, hanging, suicide, violence, everything. In one year, it's going to take other people three years to see that in the institution they come from. So in one year, I was exposed to a lot. Within the first year, I still wasn't qualified or trained to use a pepper ball launcher. So this is one of those moments that shaped my viewpoint, again, as law enforcement, as a blackish man in law enforcement. this black male who was an inmate on lockup Sacramento hall this is our special lockdown unit this is the unit where either the, the the bosses of the institution for gangs drugs or violence whatever situation took place these are the bosses they're locked up over here they've been sent here from different institutions um, because they've been major issues in those institutions they can't function there so they're a lockup in in this one now in this dorm two staff to every inmate There's a slider on the door. They're only allowed to see out of it when we slide it open. Outside of that, they're locked down in that room for 23 hours a day, one hour they come out for their shit shower shampoo and program. That's it, for one hour. If you wanna talk to your grandmother during that one hour, that's when you do it. So you better make your shower short. You better do whatever you gotta do and get on that phone. Now, the situation that took place was an officer did not turn the switch on for this inmate. He was distracted. A situation took place on the other side of the dorm. Fair enough. He was distracted. But that inmate still has been locked down, has not had a chance to talk to his family, is in this room for 23 hours a day, out for one hour, and all they're looking forward to is that one phone call. I can understand that. I was a counselor. That didn't happen until many years later, but I became a counselor, so I started to understand these human needs that even inmates have just to be a functioning human being they need this contact well the officers decided he didn't need his phone call the problem was is he had been sitting in the phone booth in his in a towel naked waiting for that phone call naked waiting in a towel the security came in with their pepper ball launchers fortunately i was not trained on it and i say fortunately because of the situation that pursued after this next you know the officer on there the lieutenant that comes in says all right i want you to shoot him They spoke to me. I said, well, I'm not trained on it yet. I'm still fresh. And they said, fine. Gave the gun to someone else. The officer he gave the gun to, obviously trained, took aim. Now, he took aim of a black male sitting in a phone booth, naked in a towel with a pepper ball launcher. These are high-powered pepper ball launchers. Not like the things you get on the street. Not only that, but what they're designed to do Is on impact, hopefully tear the flesh away, replacing it with pepper, causing serrating pain in the body. Now, if it keeps hitting, it splats against the wall, causes powder to go up into your face, your nose. Now you're lacrimating, you can't see. All of this to a human being sitting in a cage, naked with a towel on, who wanted a phone call. Now, the reason why all this took place is because he refused to leave that booth because he wanted his phone call. How many of us cannot understand that? But most of us will be saying, well, he's an inmate. That's his problem. Well, how do you expect us to fix him and rehabilitate him if we can't even allow him the simplest connections of human contact through the phone line? You don't want to rehabilitate people. You want to create monsters, put them on the street, then justify shooting and killing them. And say, well, he had a record. Well, he, well, he well, what happened to rehabilitating? What happened to fixing people? So as I'm looking at this individual st- sit here saying, I just want my phone call and screaming after every shot and watching the blood fly off of his arms and his chest as each pellet bounces off of him and the blood splatters the inside of the cage. He screams and he starts crying. This is a grown man in about, about 22 years old crying, screaming. And saying, I don't want this. I just want my phone call. I just want my phone call. I'm a blackish man standing there. Is this any different than watching a white man whip a slave? Simply because he refused to stay on the property? This is not worthy of being shot. This is worthy of investigating, asking, did he get his phone call? But I'm new. I shut my fucking mouth. Why? I don't know what the hell to do. And I just left an investigation that scared the shit out of me because I don't know if I'm going to lose my job. I don't know if I'm actually safe yet because that's how the industry works. Give it six months to a year, you still might get a phone call. So you just shut up. And that's what I did. That shaped my views as a blackish law enforcement officer. Continue forward, my interactions with black people Aren't always the best within the prison. Because you have the inmates who, because they see me as a dark skinned person, start off as, oh, come on, brother, come on. And the second you use one of the most powerful words in the world, no, you're every negative word in the world as well. You're now the porch monkey, the you're the slave master's whipping boy. You're just another crack whipper. You're all of the other negative terms in the world. And really, they're just trying to manipulate you to want to break down your no and help them. No different from the other races. The, the Aryans and all of them. Now, don't get me wrong. They ain't rushing to, to me. But they sure as hell going to throw that line out there and see if they can. I've had that before. Hey, why don't you bring in such and such? And the same response is no. But the difference is is they know when to stop. Now, again, that's just part of the view or shape that, I was cre- that was created for me while working in the prison industry. They also gave you advanced knowledge that that was sort of what's going to happen before you get there. So you're not super surprised. That's why you're taught no. No is something they make sure you know when you get into the prison. In fact, I'm going to tell you now what they told us. It's easier to say no... And not give them something than it is to say yes and then deny them later. So just say no. What are the other benefits of saying no first? Is when you say yes, you have changed the mood of the person that you said no to first. Think about when you were a kid and your parent and you asked your parent, Can I have an ice cream? Can I have something? And they said no. And you were like, Oh, man, dang it. And then they said, well, you know what? Yeah, your spirits are brightened. You're up. That's similar. It's very similar. Saying no. And if you decide to say yes, you know, you've made their spirits come up. But if you said no and it's still a no, guess what? You didn't set them up for, for failure in their feelings. You didn't tell them, yes, 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 make them feel good. They're sitting here like, yay, I'm going to get. And then you come back and say uh no, and they're like, yeah, but I already told my friends I expected it or X, Y, and Z. Yeah, now granted, you could say, well, that's their fault, but ultimately, just say no, and you don't even create any of those emotions. You solve the problem from the energy in the room being changed. It's it's a major saver in some cases. Of course, no is a powerful word, so you also know, have to know when to use it. Now. To another experience I had that helped shape my views in the prison. Um, I was set to this uh, unit, Unit 1 Sacramento. That's the lockdown dorm. This dorm had three-hour wrecks after a certain point because the institution started changing. We went from our 23-in-1 lockdown to give them more program time out of the room. In other words, rehabilitate them a little bit more. Let them be more human. That way we can interact with them better. So we started doing that. One of the inmates that I was placed with was an Aryan or Skinhead. I, I don't remember. One, one of the racial hating groups. I can't remember anymore. It didn't matter. All I knew is he didn't like me because I'm blacker in his eyes. I'm a, nigga, or a nigger. Sorry. Um, so during these three hour wrecks, they can be really intense. We take them from their rooms, put them in the ca- wreck cages outside, and they can work out, walk around, do their thing, but they're still inside of a big cage. My job is to watch that one inmate for three hours why because they break out of cages they figure out how to get out of these cages hop the fences and do amazing things so my job is to watch him to make sure he doesn't break pieces off for weapons to take back to the room um different things well because i'm a nigger to him he didn't want to speak to me he didn't want to say shit to me so i just said fine i will sit here well that lasted well for the first day three hours no talking drove me insane so when i got home first thing i did i researched all the racist jokes i could find made as many as i could possibly get printed them up took it back into work <laughs> came time for our rag time so we sat out there and i tried to talk to him he just looked at me as usual smirked and walked around in a circle like a caged tiger just walking then finally i said fine i pulled out my little paper and i started reading off some of the racist jokes and he couldn't help but start laughing Well, it cracked the the ice, as they say. Sooner or later, he said, man, don't you feel bad reading these? I said, why? I didn't write them. I don't care. I was like, whether I read them or whether I ignore them, they still exist. It doesn't change. The reality is, is accepting the reality. So if you can't accept the reality, then you can't move forward in life. And I'm trying to move forward in life. I can't sit here for another three hours and not talk to you. We got to talk about something. So this is our reality. Do you want to talk or do you want to just keep pacing? And we ended up having some of the greatest conversations. We, He said he had never really spoken to a black person on this level in any shape, form, or way. Most of the black people he knew would be were from the other side of the tracks, as you would say. So he didn't actually know them. He never actually talked to them. He never in a, it, it had one-on-one interactions he only been fed ignorant shit into his head but now we had this talk i don't think i changed his life i don't think that i did anything special but i definitely think that maybe just maybe he realizes not everyone's exactly the way he's been told so as he gets older cuz you got to remember this is 18 to 25 repeat lockup institution i work in maybe about 30 35 maybe the seed will grow that he's been fed the wrong stuff. And reality is, is we're human beings, despite the, the skin color or camouflage we have, we all eat, sleep, shit, poop, sleep, whatever, the same. We're human beings. The color, none of that makes a difference. What matters is who you are as an individual and what you strive to be as that individual. And as I used to tell the inmates, with your one lifeline, that one lifeline you get, it's what you choose to make it, not what anyone else chooses to make you make out of it, unless you give them that right. But again, you gave the right to someone else to develop you, so you still are in control of that by giving the rights. We had a saying in the prison that goes, not to have made a decision is to have made a decision not to make a decision. So you are making decisions in life. In this one lifeline, you can choose to keep the same narrow-minded, ignorant path or allow your mind to grow, expand, and see the bigger picture. And that's what I felt I continually did while working in the prison. My mind grew and grew. So it was no longer that little Christian cult society thinking mindset I had. It was no longer that singular security on the street, working in law enforcement on the street, singular mind frame. It was now filled with talking to racists, working with violent inmates, sex offenders, seeing people from the Christian side to the non-Christian side interacting, um, experiencing life on the fullest levels from one end to the other, which I tell you really messes your head up when something bad happens in the prison. And then you go onto the streets in the store. And you hear the stories or you hear a customer in a store want to talk to you about law enforcement and what just happened in the prison. Because now you find yourself saying, yeah, but that cop had to do X, Y, and Z. Just like those cops that were killing black folks on the street that pissed you off. The only difference is, is the guy in the prison still alive. And that guy is a convicted person murderer rapist child molester whatever the guy on the street is dead but then you have the people on the street defending the inmate so you're stuck in this weird mental psyche of hold up you justify the killing of citizens you defend the beating of inmates against the cops that are in there keeping the rest of this system that you created together where's the psychological connection on this i get confused So while working there, we had two inmates attack two officers. Well, the two officers happened to not only be trained law enforcement prison guards, they were also military. They'd just come back from their tour. These inmates attacked them. Well, you can find the video on YouTube. They beat the crap out of them. That made it to the local news. I go to the store. Local people there know me. And so the questions begin. Well, did that child really need to be beat up? And all I could say to them was, he was 22. If you were at a bar and a 22-year-old popped you in the mouth, would you say, ah, it's okay, he's just 22, he can't handle his liquor, or are you going to defend yourself and beat the shit out of him? Well, that's what happened here. These grown men attacked two grown men, and they had the shit kicked out of them, and then we were told, hey, you can't do that. But then fast forward, turn around... Cops are being set free all the time for killing people on the streets for a fear. So I guess the easiest way to sum this up is to say being a black-ish person in law enforcement in America can screw your mind up and make you say, what the hell is going on? There's so much justification for evil. There's so much justification made for cops that kill innocent citizens. But then so many defenses made for people locked up with a criminal record. I'm blown away by this. And there's nothing I can do but accept. This is the justice system. This is law enforcement. This is what America has created. A system that doesn't really know what the hell it's doing other than justifying shit that happens. When it happens, instead of prosecuting or holding people accountable to the same exact laws. You murder, you get 25 years to life. You rape, you're dead. You, mur- you you molest a child, you're dead. We don't need to go to court for some of these things. Now, granted, I am not in law school. I did not do all that stuff. So for me, I just look at it as, look, we can cut out a lot of this crap if we just created a checklist off. Like, hey, you did murder? Oh, well, the list says this. Oh, you did rape? Well, the list says that. You can fight to prove it, innocent or guilty. That's it. I know it sounds bad, But at the same time, we also need to do that to the cops. Oh, you were afraid? Yeah, but you signed this contract here that said you were trained beyond that bullshit. So if you can't properly identify a gun and this is a record you have of violence, yeah, you're done. Because most of these cops are doing this shit is not like their first time. They have records. This is repetitive. They've left departments and went to new departments. So the viewpoints I have on law enforcement as a blackish person is our system is completely fucked period. Remember to challenge your environment. Our system needs to be changed. Remember to check out my products, challengeyourenvironment.com, www.challengeyourenvironment.com, C-Y-E at challengeyourenvironment.com if you have any suggestions for the show.